Welcome to the Millennial Father. I'm your host, Raza Mughal, on today's episode. I'm finally a father, the moments before the birth, going through the birth, fatherhood boot camp. All right, let's get it. Firstly, I'd like to announce the arrival of my son Zia. I'm super excited to have him around and I'm so happy to be starting this new phase in my life. Finally, I've earned the name of my podcast and it gives me some legitimacy. I'm not a non-parent anymore running a blog called The Millennial Father. That must have been a little bit annoying, but hey, it was coming from a good place and most of it was about the pregnancy process before. So Zia was born on July 18th. His weight and height and all that fell in the averages. I believe average birth weight for a baby is between 6 to 9 pounds and length is 16 to 22 inches. I'll get into the birth and what it feels like to now be a father. But first, I want to go back to week 38 where I left off at the last podcast. It was the week of July 6th and our predicted due dates were fast approaching. For me, the anxiousness was starting to build. I wanted to get as much done as I could in terms of chores around the house. Cutting the grass, cleaning the house, taking out the garbage, doing laundry. These were tasks that I could do at any time but I knew would be more difficult to do once my son was born. My wife was now fully cooked and was in no condition to be helping around so I just went into the paint as hard as I could. For me, cutting the grass is always a hard one because it takes like 2-3 to hours to do And now it's excruciatingly hot all the time, so I was extremely happy to get that done. Also, taking out the garbage was a big one for me. All the cardboard boxes had been collecting in my garage from all the baby items that we had been receiving through the mail. Our routine was to rip the item out of the box, open the door leading into the garage, and throw the box in there without looking where it landed. The boxes were so stacked up in there, some of the piles were up to my head, and it was a complete mess. It was my version of sweeping dirt under the rug. So I took my time, got an X-Acto knife, cut the boxes into small pieces and tied them up so that the recycling people would take it. And then my garage was completely cleared. Again, this has nothing to do with the baby, but it was a task I was grateful to have completed before his arrival because if I didn't do this, then I probably wouldn't have done it for a very long time or I'd be doing it in the near future a lot more reluctantly. In Ontario, new COVID-19 cases continued to decrease and restrictions were slowly removed across the province. Before COVID-19, I used to play basketball with a group of guys on a weekly basis. I noticed that in our WhatsApp group that they now were meeting up and playing basketball again. Being so close to the end of this pregnancy, I couldn't take such a big risk and start playing again with people Instead, I went to Canadian Tire and bought a basketball net. It was my YOLO selfish moment before the birth. I wanted to play basketball again and I needed a way to chill out after the baby arrived. It was a hassle fitting the basketball net into my car. The baby car seat was getting in the way of the seat going down. I had to go home, remove the car seat, then go back to the Canadian Tire in order to fit it. This child was already getting in the way of me having fun. As Tony the Tiger would say, Great! Building it was even harder. I had to get help from my wife throughout. I requested for her to come outside. She read the instructions and told me what to do. God bless her. She waddled out and assisted me big time like Steve Nash. In retrospect, I feel bad. I was building this net during that heat wave 
when it was like 35 degrees Celsius plus for a week straight. Because of the heat, she would get tired quick and would have to go inside. But I was nothing without her. I had no clue what to do. I ended up bringing in the parts of the net inside so that she could tell me what I needed to do outside. It was a long, grueling process, but eventually we got it made. I've spent many evenings shooting around and I don't have to leave the house. It's incredible. For me, this was a game changer because I'd found a way to do something that I love at home. I'm playing a sport, I'm getting exercise in, and I'm right outside the house. Like, in case I'm needed for an emergency in the house with my wife or son, I'd be right there. Now, the lingering tasks that you have left may not be the same as mine. Not everyone has a bunch of boxes that they need to throw out, nor does everyone love basketball. But the advice I have is this, do the tasks, get as much done as you possibly can, or try to do the ones that you think would be more difficult once the baby is there. Also, by no means do I want to come across as a superhero ultra dude who can get everything done. If you talk to people who know me, they will gladly point that out to you. I wasn't able to get everything done that I wanted to. There are curtain rods that I still need to put up. There are TV wires I still need to move behind my wall. The list never ends like for most people. The curtain rods I haven't put up for a year. In fact, my wife jokes around and is like, once Zia grows up, he can put up the curtain rods, which I think is, of course, hilarious. But yeah, I feel it's important to do as much as you can while you have the time. By the last week leading up to the birth, I was completely pooped. I think I'm using that word mainly because of all the baby poop I've seen over the last week. Holy meconium. Over the last week, I think I've seen more baby poop than I've seen TV. I'm just kidding. It's been a lot more baby poop. By the way, meconium is the initial state of a baby's poop. Over time, it changes into regular poop. Anyways, I was gassed, exhausted, burnt out. I was starting to shut down. My evenings consisted of watching Modern Family, going on walks with my wife, and getting calls from family members and friends asking if the baby had arrived. I think the dip in my energy was caused by the passing of my expected birthday for my son, July 11th. I remember waking up early that day before the sunrise, laying in bed and just thinking, reassuring myself, okay Reza, this is the day, this is the day you meet your son. Then I started mentally preparing the steps that I would need to take in order to get everything ready, what I would need to do at the hospital, I must have spent like two hours thinking about this stuff because it went from complete darkness to a room filled with full morning sunlight. But of course nothing happened on that day. Nothing happened on a lot of the predicted birthdays. I don't know, for some reason I was fairly certain that he would come early and I think my energy level was tied to this, which was not good. By the end I went on strike in terms of doing work for the baby. I was like, I'm not doing any work anymore until I see this kid. When you think about it, it's hard when you put in all this work and you're doing all this prep for this person that's not even there. Eventually, you're going to get tired. I think the best way to avoid this is to not have an expectation of when you expect your baby to arrive. For the birth, my wife and I were fairly certain that the process or the contractions would start while we were walking or just hanging out at home. In fact, on most walks, we would play the what if game. What if the contraction started right now? What if this happened? What if that happened? In our minds, we were as prepared as we could be for the birth. We were fairly certain we knew how it was going to go down. Well, we thought. During the last week of the pregnancy, the baby's kicks and punches started decreasing in terms of frequency and strength. In our heads, we figured 
He didn't have enough space to wind up for his Tyson Haymakers anymore since he was probably so big now. We didn't give it too much concern. We were like, he's probably just gathering his strength for his final push out. The kicks didn't stop. They just weren't as hard as they were before and they mostly would happen at night. I just tried to play it off and make it all about myself. I'd be like, that's how I am too. Before I work, I do a lot of resting and I like to stay up at night too. He's my son. He's behaving just like me. So no worries. At her next OBGYN appointment, my wife brought this up that, hey, the baby's not moving as much as he used to. The doctor reassured her that this was not a big concern, but as a precaution, she scheduled my wife in for an ultrasound. In our minds, nothing was out of the ordinary. We were like, okay, we'll go to this appointment. Our kid will wave at us in the ultrasound and we'll continue to wait. By this time, I was convinced that the baby was now going to come at or at least after the delivery date. This kid is lazy like me, works like me. He's going to come out after the delivery date like me too. So now it's the day of the ultrasound. My wife was like, I'll just go to this appointment on my own. It shouldn't take more than 30 or 40 minutes. I had an important phone call at the time. She was like, you stay at home, attend your phone call, and I'll take care of this. Also due to COVID-19, I wasn't allowed in. So this was an adding factor of me not going. In my mind, I knew I was like, wait, this is getting pretty close to the end. Anything's possible. So I was like, you know what? Let me take you. I can take the call while waiting for you in the car. So I dropped my wife off to the ultrasound center. It costs money to park at their facility. So instead, I parked my car at a mall close by and got on my call. Then the text started coming in. The first two were, oh my God, and I'm trying not to freak out. I've already discussed my wife's oh my gods, so I tried to brush that off, but then the I'm trying not to freak out, like we were in the 40th week of the pregnancy. She's at an ultrasound saying this stuff to me. My heart started pounding. My mind went into a different place. It was like as if I was watching myself, like I was in the sunken place or something. With the first text, she got my curiosity, but with the second, she had successfully gotten my attention. Then more texts started coming in. My wife had asked the technician if the baby was moving fine, if anything was wrong, and she was told that she would have to speak with the radiologist. That must have been reassuring. At this point, my wife was starting to feel down and lonely, and she was texting this to me, and this was one of those moments where I felt the impact of COVID-19. It was like, man, I should be in there with her, going through this with her, comforting her. Instead, I'm sitting in my car at a mall parking lot on a conference call that I had no care in the world for anymore. The call was all mumbo jumbo at this point, just blocked out noise. It's crazy at times. It's so difficult for me to ignore sounds. Like if a song is on, I can't study. But then something like this happens and the blood starts pumping and you do it without thinking, just using pure instinct. My eyes were glued to my phone. I just kept reading the text. Now the baby was being put through a series of tests where they graded various health criteria of the baby. You know, heartbeat, fluids, movements. Our baby scored a zero on the movement part, but the good news was that the heartbeat was completely fine. I'm not going to lie, when I heard the zero score, I got spooked. My breathing got heavy. I started to get inside my head. Zero sounds bad. On any test, that's the worst possible score you could get. Any sport, any competition, zero is terrible. 
Unless it's golf, then it's good news. Then I came across the thought that wait, it's just me, my wife, and my baby. I need to keep my cool and stay relaxed. Slow everything down. Slow down your breathing. I focused on calming myself down for a bit. Then the thought hit me. The baby usually doesn't move at this time. He usually moves at night. It's just not his time right now. His heartbeat is completely fine and these tests are standardized. They just have a set way of doing procedures and they don't take into account these additional factors like they don't know the patterns that the baby typically exhibits. My wife sends her next text. Come and get me. I need to go to labor and assessment. They might induce me. Thankfully, the ultrasound building was part of this medical complex that was close to the hospital, so we didn't have to travel much. I remember while I was driving towards her, I was just mentally telling myself, slow is smooth, just take your time, don't make any mistakes, the last thing you want to do is get in a car accident. I picked up my wife, who was a little bit freaked out, and dropped her off. The drive was literally 30 seconds, so I had no time to console her. I could tell that she was slightly panicked because she was just pointing in random directions telling me to park my car and there was no parking lot in sight. She was just making up parking spots in her head. I dropped her off and told her I'm going to go park at the real parking spots and then I'll come to labor and assessment. While I was driving my car to the parking area, I realized the irony of the situation. Like if they induced her, then I have nothing. My hands are in my pockets, the hospital bag the snacks, the baby bag, it was all still at home. I was possibly entering into a gunfight with nothing, absolutely nothing. I get to the parking spot and I get a call from my wife and she's like, they're going to look at me and figure out if I need to be induced. And oh yeah, one more thing, you're not allowed in. Instantly I got mad. In my head I was like, you're the one who told me I'd be allowed. What the hell's going on? Then she said it, I think they don't fully admit you until the birth is 100% a go. So they still need to figure all that out. Call ended. I just sat there in the car, both hands on the steering wheel, head down thinking, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to leave my wife in this situation. Then I realized, hey, I'm not with her. She's in the hospital. I'm out here and she's in there. I need to take action. I need to go get all that baby birthing hospital gear. I left the parking lot. Thankfully, I didn't have to pay because I was within that free 15 minute time slot. That was unexpected and I took that as a good sign. I got home and I got a call from my wife. It was confirmed she was going to be induced, but I wasn't going to be allowed in until a bed was available for her. Emotions, a little bit of vomit, anxiety started creeping up on me and like Bill Bird talks about in his stand-up, I just bottled it all up and I pushed it down as far as I could, past my ankles, six feet down into the ground. Okay, what's the biggest priority? Baby bag, hospital bag. Those were already 90% packed. I just needed to add phone chargers and deodorant for myself. Okay, check. I had no clue what I was in store for, what decisions I was going to have to make, but one thing I knew for certain, I didn't want to enter the unknown on an empty stomach. I ran down the stairs and ate an orange and my mom's biryani, which was also orange. The biryani had like bones in it and weird spices. I swallowed all that stuff. I didn't care. Next thing was I needed to get clean. One thing I knew about the hospital situation was that once you're in there, you're in there. Like they don't let you come out or anything. So I was like, I need to get clean. 
I was about to detach from the phone for like 10 minutes. So I was like, let me give it a scan. And I found that my wife had sent me a list of stuff to bring for her, which included face lotion and her makeup set. Why did she need the makeup set? She wanted to look good for photos. Were we going to have a photo shoot that I didn't know about? I got into the washroom and started trimming my beard. I wanted to look good too. Then I showered, put in the lotions and makeup set into the hospital bag, packed up the bags, prayed, and packed up some snacks. For snacks, I took crackers, chips, and various fruits, apples, oranges, and prunes. The prunes were given to me by my sister-in-law, and she told me that it was essential that my wife eat them after the birth to help her digestive system. So now, I was sitting there in the living room, visualizing everything. I was like, okay, go to the hospital, get the baby, bring the baby home. How do I bring the baby home? In a car seat. Car seat! I had forgotten to pack the car seat. So I grabbed that and I put that into the car. The base of it was already installed, so it just easily clicked into the attachment. So a piece of advice from my experience, try to have a checklist. I didn't have one. I thought my wife would be with me for this packing process and she's usually my checklist. But you don't know what your situation is going to be. You want to be fully prepared. Even if she's there, she may not be in a condition to help you out. So now everything was good to go. Then I got the call. Okay, Raza, I have a bed. Now you can come to the hospital. Right then I hear knocking on my door and it's my sister. What was she doing here? She's never here at this time. Turns out she was on her way to see her friends and was just dropping off a piece of decoration for our house. I told her right then that me and my wife were about to have a kid and she got so excited and she started crying it was hard not to hug her and be happy with her like this COVID-19 has dampened so many actions that we take for granted and this right there was one of them. I felt kind of sad but I didn't have time for sadness. So I took it and I threw it with the rest of the other emotions from before and then my mind was like please go see your friends. I need to go to the hospital. I washed my hands like five times, checked over all the stuff multiple times checked the locks on the house, and I was off. I got to the parking lot again. I swear I got the same spot as before. Jolted out, got all the stuff, a mini suitcase, a baby bag, a baggie with food in it, and a car seat. I felt like such a dad. Even though the situation was tense and unexpected, I was actually kind of relieved. It had been nine months of anticipation, and we were finally going to get to meet the little guy. But of course, the number one priority was for the birth to go as smoothly as possible and for the baby to be healthy. Before getting to see my wife, I had to go through a screening at the entrance of the hospital. They had to confirm my name. They gave me a newer and better face mask, checked my temperature and asked me COVID-19 related questions. I got to the room and there she was, my darling wife, sitting there so happy. Finally, she was going to get to meet her son, and finally, her stumbling husband had made it to her side. During the in-between time of me packing the car and driving over, my wife started feeling the baby kick again, as he usually did around the evening time, but the earlier lack of movement was concerning, and the clinicians didn't want it to worsen, so we were going ahead with the inducing. The nurse came in. She was really nice. She introduced herself told us who the delivering doctor was going to be and the whole expected process of the birth. One thing she said that was hilarious was that 
She thought my wife was way too happy for what she was about to go through. Now, I don't want to get into too many details about the birth. I will say this, that the labor process was lengthy and it was normal. I was asked earlier if I was a head guy or a foot guy, and I was lucky enough to do both. The medical staff was very nice to me. They let me go to whatever position I wanted, head, knees, toes, elbow. Through the process, I went through a huge range of emotions. I was scared, motivated, energetic, hungry. The contraction started late in the night. I was 100% absolutely there for my wife, supporting her. But a part of me was like, man, I wish I had a coffee. I was sitting on a stool the entire time. It was hard to support my lower back. At times, I'd get tired and lean towards my wife and rest my head against her bed while she gripped the life out of my hand. I know this doesn't compare to the pain and exhaustion my wife was going through, but I still had these feelings. I couldn't help myself. I'm still human. Throughout the night, I tried to regularly update my and my wife's side of the family. However, my main priority was my wife. And I guess I wasn't updating everyone as much as they liked because every time I went back to my phone, I just saw messages of you need to give us more frequent updates. Honestly, I didn't care. I was so distracted with a small thing called the birth of my child. I have no regrets. In fact, I'm proud of myself that I stayed off my phone as much as I did. If I could go back, I'd stay off my phone even more. Like, I love everyone, and I know those comments were coming from a good place, but that was definitely one of those times where I was like, man, I hate cell phones. To the dads out there, do you. Turn that phone off, man. Or if you know how to manage that phone, do that. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime event you're going through. Okay, going back to the birth, I felt like I was very involved, but in the last moments, like five people came in to finish the job, And I kind of just got shafted to the side. And it bothered me a bit like, hey, I've been here the whole time. But what was I going to do? They were professionals. I wasn't going to start boxing people out like I'm getting ready for a rebound. Again, the main goal was for the process to go smoothly. And I guess my part was done for the moment. So the little guy finally came out. And if there's one word to describe what I felt, it's surreal. I couldn't believe that there was a baby in my wife's arms and he was looking at us crying and I was just like, someone pinch me, wake me up from this dream. There was one moment where he looked at me dead in the eyes and I started to feel my gut clench and my eyes get watery and I was like, am I going to cry? Then I was like, wait a second. And I took out my mental hulk fist, pounded those emotions into a nice circle and gobbled them down like the cookie monster. I had no time for tears. Well, at least that's what I told myself. I turned to the medical staff member and was like, what do we do now? Typically, I'm usually good with names and titles, but I was so tired. I had no clue who was a nurse or who was a doctor. My brain was toasted. Right after the baby was born, they gave him a vitamin K shot. There's these antibiotic eye drops that they put in his eyes, which just recently became optional to do, which we went ahead with. They did a reflex check and measured his length and weight. I remember when the nurse weighed him, she was like, come, you're going to get an excellent picture. So I went to the scale with my camera and Zia cried the entire time. And then she was just like, I guess not, no photo for you. Once all of this was done, it was just me, my wife and my son in the room. Honestly, I was just trying not to pass out and keep my mind on the task at hand. 
making sure I knew where our stuff was and making sure everyone was doing fine. In Islam, once a baby is born, the azan or call for prayer is given in the baby's right ear to help them recognize that they are a Muslim and they have a duty in this life to worship Allah. So I made a paper roll out of my wife's contraction graph results and I whispered the azan in my son's ear. In my family, typically this process is done by an elder, but due to the COVID-19 circumstances, that wasn't an option, and honestly, I wanted to do it myself. One task I was given by the nurses was to make sure everything on the wristbands that would be given to the three of us was matching. I analyzed them for like 10 minutes, 9 minutes and 30 seconds longer than I needed to. They were 100% matching. My wife is the paperwork person. She was busy filling out forms, People were handing her booklets and pamphlets about taking care of the baby. During this time, I kept looking at my wife and the baby and I was like a deer in headlights. Like, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? I turned to my wife and I was like, do I call everyone? My wife didn't care. She was busy with the baby and the papers. A nurse came in. I asked her the same question. She was like, honestly, once you start telling people, you're never going to get that time back. Everyone's going to want to talk to you and ask for more details. So we just kind of had this quiet moment to ourselves. We went from being a married couple to a family. I felt like saying a Vin Diesel quote about togetherness of family from one of the Fast and Furious movies, but no one would get it, especially Zia. About a half hour later, we were taken to another room and that was where we were going to remain for the duration of our stay. Quick segue, I want to explain the rules of the hospital to you. Once you enter, you can't leave. You weren't allowed to bring any outside food. You're not allowed to step outside for a breather and you were only allowed to leave once in case you forgot something important like a car seat or something like that. I got in trouble when the staff found out I brought in crackers and fruit, but I swear I Lysoled and cleaned everything before I brought it in. Once we were settled into the room, we changed the baby's clothes and we called and FaceTime everyone. In retrospect, I was in a daze while I was talking to everyone. It was a lot of congratulations, some instructions, a lot of emotions from the people calling. I thought I'd be a lot more emotional during these moments, but I was just in robot mode. I just became extremely task oriented because, well, I felt like I had to. It was just the three of us. My wife was in no condition to do much and I couldn't ask much of Zia. He was just born a few hours ago. Before getting discharged from the hospital, it was necessary to spend 24 hours there, which I wasn't a big fan of. I just wanted to get out of there. I was like, we have the baby, let's just go home. But yeah, they do run tests and all that, so I guess it's necessary. During this time, the staff came and did various tasks and lessons in regards to the baby. They showed us how to feed, how to bathe the baby. They did a hearing test and a blood test in which they checked for various medical conditions. I knew that the crackers, fruits, and hospital food wasn't going to cut it for the night, so I ordered a large pizza for my wife and I to nibble on in case we got hungry. The Mount Everest difficult task for us was handling the baby. He constantly required feedings and diaper changes. And those are the two main things you'll be dealing with when it comes to a newborn baby, diapers and feeding. Don't commit to one, always check both. I remember there was one time we tried for a half hour to feed our kid and then I checked his diaper and he had pooped. I felt like an idiot, like why the hell didn't I think of looking there before? There's only two possible reasons why he'd be crying. 
if those two things were taken care of, he was completely fine. He just lay there and look at stuff. However, doing all this was still difficult. You know, you're sleep deprived. You want to go home. You're running around trying to keep the baby happy, trying to keep mom happy. There was a point where I was like, I wish I could tap out and be like, you win. I give up. But who would I be tapping out to? I don't know. What you realize is that your back's against the wall. This is your kid, your family. You just have to keep going. My wife was handling the baby, his changes, putting him in different clothes. And I was doing everything else. Basically, I was a professional hander. Hand me the baby. Hand me the towel. Hand me the wipes. Hand me the diaper. Hand me the phone. Why do you need the phone? I want to take pictures of him. Of course, how inconsiderate of me. I did try to do some stuff too. Like, I would cradle my son when he started crying. I did skin-to-skin contact. And I only did it while we were in the private room because I was too embarrassed to do it in front of anyone. I don't know. It's just something new to me. Like, I don't know if it's me, but I don't think we'd ever see any father from our parents' generation doing skin to skin. You'd probably be scrutinized and talked about for the rest of your life. Remember Jim? Remember when he did that skin to skin thing? Oh man, that was hilarious. What the hell was he thinking? I know that something like that is more acceptable nowadays, but it just took me some getting used to. Like, I have a hairy chest. Do the studies take that into consideration? I don't know. And I didn't go full shirt off. I just kind of unbuttoned my shirt a bit. Anyways, we had somewhat of a routine. I'm not saying we were experts, but I felt like we were ready to go home. Like when it came to the diaper changes, my wife would do them and I would console the baby because he would cry a lot. I asked to do them, but my wife was like, you can start doing them when we get home. I just want to get them finished as fast as possible. Okay, cool. So in the morning, there was a change in shift and a new nurse came in. My wife was in the washroom. Zia was asleep and I was resting on the couch. The nurse came in and I kind of stretched into a sitting position. She immediately started drilling me with questions. If I had been reading the pamphlets about breastfeeding from the package. I was like, what pamphlet? She was like, the one that's in the package. Then I was like, I thought that package was for my wife. And then she was like, no, it's not. Find the pamphlet. I found the paper package that was given to my wife and I started siphoning through it. In my head, I was like, what the hell is going on? No other nurse told me that I needed to read this. While this was happening, my wife came out of the washroom and the nurse was like, okay, mommy, we need to do some tests. Then she grabbed the baby bassinet and opened my son's diaper. Baby poop, dad, change his diaper. I hadn't even found the pamphlet yet and now she wanted me to do the diaper change. I was so sleep deprived, I had no clue what was happening. I felt like a kid in elementary school asked to present his final project early, having done zero work on it. I got up and there was my son lying there with his poopy diaper open. The nurse was holding his legs back, then she handed them off over to me. My son was wailing, shrieking. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't take it. I let go of his legs and grabbed his hands trying to console him like I did before when my wife changed him. My son started kicking and he got poop on his feet. My wife noticed this and was like, what the hell are you doing? The nurse was like, daddy, don't you know how to clean? I was like, yeah, I'm just calming him down first. I looked down and my son had stopped crying. I was looking at him directly in his eyes. Father and son, we were one. Suddenly streams of water started shooting out. He was peeing. I relaxed him too much. Damn it. 
The nurse had enough. She stopped what she was doing and she gave me a step-by-step breakdown on how to clean his diaper and the rest of the poop that was everywhere else. It's not rocket science. It's just getting the steps in the right order and practicing. But yeah, that was my first diaper change. It was under the gun in a high pressure situation. And now I don't think I'll ever forget how to do it. It may not be the best change or anywhere close to it, but I can do it. Now we were just waiting for the results of the blood test. By this time, I was ready to go. I had most of the stuff packed. My wife wanted to go home too. I felt like I had just attended a baby boot camp. The results came back. The baby had a slight amount of jaundice, but not an amount that was concerning. We were told as a treatment to give the baby five minutes of sunlight through a window daily. The last step to get out of the hospital. I feel like I'm writing a game guide to a video game. The last step we had to accomplish before escaping the hospital was we had to put our baby in the car seat, fasten him and obtain approval from the nursing staff that it was done correctly. Cool. I took my time, made sure everything was clipped in, tightened everything up. I was extremely confident that I did it right and we were given the boot back to the room. I was fuming at this point. All I wanted to do was go home. I felt like I was in detention or something. I guess it didn't help that my baby bag looked like a backpack as well. We went back and did it again, checked everything twice and we were finally given the go ahead. I almost ran out of the hospital. My wife was urging me to slow down because she couldn't keep up. She has pictures of me like 30 feet in front of her. Being in the hospital, I felt confined. Like I had to learn how to do all these new tasks in an area out of my comfort zone. For new dads out there, try to learn how to do this stuff before, like diaper changes and how to use all of your baby equipment. A lot of people say that they're terrified during the drive back with the baby. Honestly, mine was filled with pure relief. I guess being less than a five minute drive away helped with that. I was grateful that we were done with the birth, grateful that everyone was healthy, grateful to be going home with my family. Since this is a longer episode, I thought I'd summarize the lessons I learned from the birth. Have your hospital gear ready, the baby bag, the hospital bag, the car seat. Try to have a checklist for the items that you need to take. If things aren't going the way you plan, don't freak out. Just try to slow down and take it as it comes. At the hospital, be there for the mom, support her. My wife communicated that to me afterwards that she appreciated me being there, trying to console her and everything. It's definitely easier to get through difficult times with someone rather than on your own. And when the professionals come to do their job, just get out of their way and let them do it. Also, if you can, before, get comfortable with babies, practice changing diapers and holding them. I was scheduled for a class in regards to the diaper changing, but it was canceled due to COVID-19. And don't be too hard on yourself if you mess up at something. Just get up, brush yourself off, and keep moving forward. Again, everyone, if you're liking the podcast, please share it with people or on social media. Please check out the website www.themillennialfather.com. Follow the blog, follow the podcast. Until next time.